This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Look, I know everyone wants to say that Trevor Lawrence is a consensus number one, and I'm not I, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I don't know if he is. How about you take a look at some other people to see, to make sure, really do your due diligence and dive in and make sure. You can't just go out there and say, this guy is this, because when you're picking number one, you have to make sure that pick is the right pick, because if you don't, if you miss that pick, oh, it can get bad. That is Maurice Jones-Drew this morning on ESPN with Zubin, Keyshawn, and Jay. And you can hear it right here on ESPN 690. You're going to hear Maurice Jones-Drew live on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690 in just a couple of moments. But before we get to him and a conversation about Trevor Lawrence, who declared for the 2021 NFL Draft today, let's go to the phone lines. Lance been hanging around. Let's talk a little bit about Urban Meyer. What's up, Lance? Happy New Year, man. Hey, Happy New Year, guys. So my big thing is, I'm ex- you know, when you hear Urban Meyer is excited about Jacksonville, it gets me excited because I'm a huge Jaguar fan for life, Gamer fan for life. Um, Urban Meyer, we should call him the king of opportunity because he finds a spot that he knows that he's going to win in, and there's where he goes. I think he's a great coach. I just keep hearing all these NFL players. I even hear kind of a little hesitation in Austin's voice. I just don't know if he's ready for the NFL. Um, nothing against his coaching. I just I don't see it. I don't think he's the right guy for this job. I think somebody like Eric the Enemy is the one that we should be putting all our eggs in the basket. Um, you know, I just I really don't get what's the love for Urban Meyer on this. Great coach, nothing wrong. I mean, if you really want to go outside the basket, to me, if you want to go and get a higher a college coach. Why isn't someone I know is coming off a bad loss, but someone like Brian Kelly? If you looked at the way he's coached over the years, he's got more of the NFL coach demeanor. He's actually had to, had to change the way he's coached to kind of get to college students. Someone like that, to me, fits more of the NFL. Um, I just not seeing the Urban Meyer. Lance, I appreciate the call, and I really appreciate that um, sentiment from a guy who's a Gator fan and a Jags fan yeah. and kind of an, an Urban Meyer fan, it sounds like, uh, but doesn't think it will work here in the NFL, and listen, it's fair. It, it is certainly fair to, to wonder if it will, but how many times did Lance Austin just say, he's a great coach, he's a great coach, and I do believe if you're looking for that figurehead of an organization, somebody that is in command of the organization, which by the way, and I've written this and we've talked about it, the Jags have not had other than Tom Coughlin, but he wasn't in a coaching role, so therefore it muddied things up even more. If you're looking for that kind of guy, Urban Meyer probably is the best fit for but, that alone yeah but here's the thing about that brent right like if you look at the coaches here uh the better part of a decade here in jacksonville there hasn't been a lot of wins right so if you're a jaguars fan right now you're hesitant maybe a little bit about urban meyer you're hesitant because there is risk right i, I say it all the time this could be the ultimate boomer busk pick um at the head coaching position but if it's going to be a bust well then you set your, your team back um you know a couple more years like you don't want to see that if you're a jaguars fan be enemy, um, you know, he's a lot more of a safer choice in my opinion because he has the resume. He comes from one of the best coaching trees and the entire NFL. We've compared it to Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. It's not even close to the success of the Andy Reid coaching tree compared to Belichick, right? It's night and day. So with that being said, be enemy is definitely, in my opinion, the safer choice because he's been part of the NFL for a while now. And at the end of the day, I get, I call Urban Meyer the boomer bust guy. 
But let's not get it twisted. Bieniemy could be a, a boom coach as well. Like he has, in my opinion, all the tools to be a successful coach. So I think people are a little turned off by Urban Meyer because there is a risk right there. All right, let's go to the West Coast. Bring in our friend Maurice Jones-Drew. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Few people love the Jacksonville Jaguars. We want to see the Jaguars do well more than Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, before I get to Trevor Lawrence, man, let me ask you what Austin was just talking about. You're a player. Let's go back to, uh, let's just say you're a player right now. You're a player in that locker room. They announce Urban Meyer's the head coach. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you, uh-oh? What would be your reaction? Uh, I mean, I'd be excited because everywhere Urban's been, um, you've had success, right? He's a program builder. Um, now he's never done it in the NFL, and 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 there's a uh, there's a there's a saying for college coaches. Well, Pete Carroll said this in his book that when you coach in college, you can recruit 15 first rounders, which we've seen Urban Meyer do at Florida. We've seen it at Ohio State. We even saw it at Utah, to be honest with you, with Alex Smith. Um, in the NFL, you get one or two first-round picks, right? So you don't get the chance to recruit. You can't turn a program around as fast in the National Football League uh, as you can in college. But Urban's been successful everywhere he's gone. And so I, I think that's what gets all the fans excited is that, look, he left Florida or he went to Florida. Florida won national championships, successful first-round picks all over the place. They were winning everything. Uh, leaves there, got, does TV for a little bit, goes to Ohio State. National championship, Zeke Elliott, all the like they start putting out guys left and right. Marcus Lattimore, all these guys start coming out. Uh so he can identify talent. He understands what talent looks like. I just don't think it'll be turned around as quickly as, as he when he comes to, you know, obviously if he's the coach of the Jaguars. I understand where Austin is talking about because if you look at Eric Bienemy's track record, um and he was a coach of mine, he was my running back coach in college. But before me he had Chris um Brown who played for the Houston Texans, who won, who was up for the Heisman at Colorado. Uh, then he had, you know, Adrian Peterson at Minnesota. He had Chester Taylor at Minnesota. He's coached some of the better running backs in the game. And then he becomes an OC, and all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVP and league MVP in the two years he's coached him. So he has a track record of a success as well, but he has a track record of success in the National Football League. And so I think there's a lot of coaches out there that you can go from. I know Biennemi and, and – and uh, Urban Meyer, the top two. Uh, but as a player, I'd be excited for anyone that comes in because it's, 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 it's a breath of fresh air. You just, But you don't know what you get until you get that coach. You don't know how that coach is going to be. You don't know how if it's going to be very similar to what you've had or if it's going to be complete opposite. Mo, and we don't know if it's complete opposite or it's going to be successful. Mo, it's great to hear from you, man. And you mentioned it yourself. You know, Eric Bieniemy is a, is a big name right now, and you had him as a running backs coach. And I'm sure, like, obviously his philosophy has probably changed a little bit. Back, I think, was it in 2005 when he was there coaching you? So it's, uh, to, the my sense, I've, I, I've known him since I've been 17. So oh, it's wow, definitely okay. so, you know, changed since then. Okay, I got you. So he's obviously changed. He's adapted like any good coach should. Like what type of, of coach would teams be getting in terms of personality, in terms of demeanor, if Eric Bieniemy was indeed their head coach, do you think? Oh, well, first and foremost, everyone's going to be held accountable. It doesn't matter how good you are as a player, um, how bad you are as a player, how good you are as a person. Like, he's going to hold you accountable. And I, I, I can give you a great example. I was, uh, I just turned, I might have been, this might have been my sophomore or junior year, and I was the oldest running back in the room. And, you know, before I was old, obviously I was a, I was a freshman, and if any of us got in trouble, we all would have to get, you know, we'd all have to run or roll or whatever it might have been. And I didn't know that the whoever the oldest person was before me was Manuel White, uh, who played for the, the Washington 
Redskins at the time, now the football team, you know, he it didn't matter what someone did younger. We all got punished, and he forced us to, to you know, really uh, police ourselves, if that makes sense, right? So as I became older, one of my, my – actually my roommate – uh, missed a, a treatment or something, and we all had to get up at four thirty in the morning. And he made us roll because of him. Wow. And it forces it forces you to police your locker room. So I don't know if he'll be able to do that in the National Football League or not, but I'm sure he's adapted to make people hold each other accountable. But those are the little things that you have to do as a coach. And so for me, I think you're going to get a guy who's going has a high football IQ, played in the National Football League for nine years. He can relate to everyone in the locker room, from the quarterback or the, you know, to the janitor. Um, he's a guy that's very detailed in his work. Uh, one of the reasons, and Austin, you never saw this, but uh, I used to have notebooks on top of notebooks of for each game, right? So each game we'd have, like I think, like we'd have a notebook to write our notes down in each game. Sure. Every two or three games, I'd have a whole new notebook because he taught me to be detailed in everything that I did. Not just the playbook, but having a notebook of understanding the D coordinator, what he likes to do in certain situations. So when I left Jacksonville and uh, I went to, to Oakland to play, I actually played against Wade Phillips. Mm. And I knew in certain situations from the time I was detailed in Jacksonville when we played him in for the Texans that in crucial situations he wants to go cover zero. Um, and he has a tree of defensive coordinators that abide by that rule. And so I was able to use notebooks from back then – to, to utilize my last year in the NFL to help me play faster. And so he's a teacher on top of that, right? So now you have a guy that's going to hold people accountable. He can relate to everyone. He's a teacher. And he's going to teach guys, how, you know, concepts, how to be a better football player, the different techniques, all those little things. And then last but not least, he's brutally honest. And I think as an as a, as a athlete, as a professional athlete, that's what you want. Tell me what I can do. To Tell me if I'm doing what you want me to do. And if I can't, I understand that you'll have to find someone else to do. But don't tell me I'm doing a great job and then behind closed doors say, oh, I can't work with this guy. Oh, you know what I mean? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And so, That's huge. And so I believe that when you're getting Eric Bieniemy, you're getting those four qualities, and those are the best qualities in a head coach. That Because, and Brent, we've talked about this. I, you know, I don't know if you know this, Austin, but I always like blow uh, Brent up on Twitter. So I've heard. Um, <laughs> I'd blow him up. I, did, I, I do it all caps, too, because I mean, Brent's my guy, and we, we've had a great relationship. I've been there, and I've been able to, you know, confide in him certain things, and, he, you know, he's a, he's a great person. But um, a head coach is not a coach anymore. You become a manager of expectations and personalities hmm. and situations. That's what you become. And so you do less coaching as a head coach, and you do more managing. And hmm. so – He's been able to manage some of the bigger personalities in the National Football League. Adrian Peterson, big personality. Jamal Charles, big personality. You see him on the sidelines with his back and forth with Travis Kelsey. Big personality, right? And yet those guys will go to war for him because he holds them accountable. He's not going to allow Travis Kelsey to not go out there and block on a run play. If he, like, I mean, I've had conversations with him. He told me, like, if Travis Kelsey doesn't block, he doesn't catch a pass. Hmm. Period. We'll pull him out on pass plays then. That is holding people accountable and forcing the best, making the get the best, forcing the best out of them at every play. Maurice Jones drew with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, awesome stuff by the way on Eric Bieniemy, who reportedly did interview with the Jaguars today. He's on everybody's list except for crazily enough the Houston Texans, who many people thought he would be going to in the middle of the season when they made a coaching change. But Awesome stuff on Eric Bieniemy. Now let's ask you about Trevor Lawrence. He declares for the 2021 <laughs> NFL draft. <laughs> well, hang on. Hey, 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 don't don't 
Wait Don't a second. Don't worry about this. No, oh, a- no. He's got to worry about it, Brent, because here's the thing. <laughs> Mo, all right. So I'm not sure if you saw, but I actually made a little video thing regarding the Avengers. And it was basically the entire Jacksonville media rallying around against the national media and saying, we're not going to take the slander. We're not going to take the hate. We're in this together. And I included you in there because I thought we're all on the same page here. We're getting Trevor Lawrence. Everything is going to be hunky-dory. And then behold my surprise when I include you in the video and a couple days later, Mo, you say that Trevor Lawrence may not be the number one pick. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's not the number one pick. I, 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 that's not what I was saying. What I was saying was make sure you do all your homework, right? Don't just say, like, he played well as a freshman at Clemson. He won a national championship. He's only lost two games. Like, he's the lock number one pick. You never do that. You never just do that. You make sure that you dive in and you do your, your film study on the left tackle from Oregon. You make sure you do your film study on the top defensive player. You make sure you do the film study on all the quarterbacks. It may be, hey, and at the end of the day, as much as we love, as a lot of people love Trevor Lawrence, maybe whoever that head coach is doesn't like him. And so maybe that isn't the first pick for the Jaguars, right? It needs to be a fit with a coach and the quarterback because guess what? When you draft a quarterback as the first overall pick, if you look at it across the league where, you know, Jameis Winston or, you know, a high pick, even Blake Bortles, for example, for the Jags, you are tied at the hip with that guy as a coach and as a GM. And so you want to make sure – you just don't want to go in and say, hey, you know what, we know this is the guy, this is going to be the guy. You want to make sure you do your due diligence and you find out, like, okay, is this the, is this the guy we're going to, you know, put the livelihood of our organization in his hands? And it may be. But I'm just saying, pump your brakes. Like, slow down. Like, let's not just be like, hey, because, again, all of Jacksonville media is like, you're crazy. He's the guy. He's done this. He's the best thing since since uh, John Elway, like Andrew Luck. But my concern is he's never played in the NFL. He's yeah. played on a team that has been the top recruited team for the last 10 years. He's played with a ton of talent. And when yeah. you're going to the number – if you're the number one pick – you're not the team that you're playing on is not going to be as talented as it was in college. And Absolute, so all I'm saying is just do your due diligence. That's it. Like, yeah, and, and by the way, that's – still may be the number one pick. Yeah, that's a fair point. Listen, I asked this question to Austin a couple weeks ago. I said, are we in love with Trevor Lawrence, or are we in love with the idea – of Trevor Lawrence and the fact that he's the number one pick and the Jags now have the number one pick. And so I think that's kind of what you're saying in essence. Uh, it's not, it's not that Trevor Lawrence isn't the guy. It's just that make sure you vet all these other guys and just don't feel compelled to necessarily take Trevor Lawrence because everybody's talking about him. Although it does feel the more you read and see and everything else, the guy's the real deal. Let me ask you this, Mojo. You, You've played, obviously been around quarterbacks much like Austin. What are you looking for then? What are you trying to find out when you meet with this guy at the Combine, his pro day? Because you've seen enough tape. You know what that is. But what are you trying to find out to just solidify the fact that Trevor Lawrence can be the guy for this franchise? Okay, so two things real quick before I answer that one. One, when I study the tape of a guy, I I would rather take a quarterback in college that does more with less. If you're a quarterback – that you're throwing to first round picks and they're wide open and they're you know they're creating separation in college. Let's remember in the National Football League the separation is going to be much smaller, mm. right? It's mm. not going to be as wide open and that, it's not going to be like that. And so I'd rather take a quarterback that's done more with less. That's always been my thing. Like give me a quarterback from the MAC that's throwing to guys that are fourth, sixth, seventh round picks 
but he's throwing for thousands of yards, right? Those are the more successful guys in our, in our, in our football league. Or if you have a guy, for example, I mean, I always go with Big Ben. The reason I feel like Big Ben is a success is because he was throwing for thousands of yards at Miami of Ohio. Right? Yeah. Josh Allen's a good example, too, uh, Mo. I think Josh Allen's a good example coming from Wyoming. A great example. They do. Tell me who got drafted from Wyoming when he was out. Like, you don't know that. But <laughs> yeah. then you, you pair him with Stephon Diggs, all of a sudden the dude's one of the top passers in the National Football League. Like, you put talent around, all of a sudden his talent and everything, his all the things that you saw, they show up. Um, so that's one of my things with scouting a quarterback. Now, what I'm looking for from Trevor Lawrence when I meet with him, I need to know, first of all, i got to do all my duties. Make sure you work hard. Right? Not, and, and I can teach you – how to watch tape, and I can teach you how to do those other things. I can't teach you to be at the building at 5 a.m. every morning watching tape. I can't teach you doing that, right? I think that's one of the issues that the Washington football team had with Dwayne Haskins. Again, I don't know, but early on it was like he, he's not showing up early. He's not putting the work in. You got to – as a quarterback, you pretty much live at the facility. I remember – and, Brent, I don't know if I ever told you I remember as a rookie – uh, Byron Leftwich grabbed me and said, hey, since you're going to be our third down back, you need to come in here, you need to be with me at 530 in the morning. We're going to watch tape and protection so you know what's going on each week. Because hmm. if you're going to protect me, I need you to be like this offensive line. They need to know the ins and outs. You need to know who you're blocking and why you're blocking them in these protections. Now, B. Left was doing that, you know, in Jacksonville, but we were up at 530 every morning, Tuesday through Thursday. I told him I can't do it on Fridays because I need to get my rest for the game. But Tuesday through Thursday, we were up at 5.30 watching protection, studying the team against us. That You have to have that as a quarterback. That has to be in you. That can't be taught. All right? The other thing is leader of men. You have to be able to say, you know what? You know, the guys in the locker room may say, hey, you know what? You know, we don't want to practice today. You have to stand up and say, you know what? We are practicing today, and we are going to do what we have to do. But that has to be in you. You have to be a vocal leader. You have to do everything the right way. And so those are the things that you look for in a quarterback and what I'd be looking for in Trevor Lawrence. All the physical the physical attributes and all the things we see on tape, yeah, we're like you're great. That's awesome. But now you're, you're the number one pick. You're becoming the face of our franchise. You're becoming the leader of our organization. And everyone's going to take whatever you do, they're going to do that times 10. So if you're, if you're showing up late, guess what? Everybody's going to show up late. If you're showing up early and you're putting the work in, guess what? Everybody's going to show up early and put the work in. This is what happens. And so, that's all. again, it goes back to my point of making sure that you do your due diligence and that he does everything the right way. I don't know what he does because I haven't talked to him or anyone at Clemson. I'm sure he puts the work in. I mean, you don't win, you know, that many games without putting the work in. But I want to make sure you do it the right way and the way it needs to be done. Yeah. I think that's fair enough, too. Uh, Go ahead, Austin. Talking to Jaguars great here. I'm Maurice Jones-Drew, an NFL Network analyst now. Um, Mo, you said it yourself. Like the, the, the guy's a winner, and I feel like when you hear, um, you know, talking heads on, on the networks talk about Trevor Lawrence, or even us talk about, or even scouts talk about, is the guy's won wherever he's been. Do we put too much stake into the wins and losses? Um, and as a former player and as a guy who shared the locker room with a lot of quarterbacks, like, do you think we put way too much stake in terms of, well, this guy's a winner wherever he went, he's going he's gonna to win the NFL too. Like, should we stop kind of that narrative? I don't think so because the winning, the winning you know, and also that was one of the things that I, I did a horrible job at when I was in Jacksonville. And I, I, I've never, I think I told Uche this one time, like, since I've retired and I've got a chance to, like, look back at my career, I wish – out of challenge, all of us to stay in, the, in Jacksonville and train our butts off together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was a winner in high school, 
one, never lost a game in high school, went to UCLA, and we turned a program that went 6-6 six and six my freshman year to 10-2, and two, and we were ranked in the top 10 in the country my last year, right? And so when I got to Jacksonville, I was like, oh, we're going to turn this thing around like that. But I didn't do the. I felt like I didn't do the the things necessary to get everyone to buy in and, and help out. And so that's the biggest thing about when you have a winning quarterback because we all know this. There's there's two there's two the way you become a leader of the team. One, you're the starting quarterback, and two, whoever the highest paid player on the team is. Those are the leaders. Everyone does what those players do. Um, and so, however, yeah, Trevor Lawrence has been a winner, just like Justin Fields has been a winner everywhere he's been. I mean, it, those, those two are tied at the hip. They they were the same in high school. They've been the same in college. This is kind of how it goes. But to me, when you win, how did you win? Was it because you were the more talented team in high school? Is that why you won? Was it because, you know, or was it because you worked really hard and everyone bought in and everyone followed you and you led those men into battle into some tough situations and you, you, and you like, rose up, up through adversity, right, in college? Is it – you know, you went to Clemson. You went to a power, one of the top, pro, if not the top program in the country, like them in Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you hit some adversity, how did you fight through those things? Because in the National Football League, the one thing that's different than anywhere else in the National Football League, everyone's talented, everyone has dudes, mm-hmm. and you're going to go through some adversity guaranteed. I don't care if, if it's a team that just won the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll give you a great example because I call the games for the Rams on on radio. They went to the Super Bowl one year, the next year, and they lost. The next year, they didn't make the playoffs. So you're going to run through adversity throughout the course of, the, of your NFL career. Are you able to fight through that and lead these troops through? And that's what, that's what I think GMs and head coaches, when they see a winner, they assume that those things happen throughout your career. I, don't, I, I, I hate to assume things. That's why I say you have to do your due diligence to make sure that when you're picking this, this first pick, it's more than just – how good is he on the football field? It's what is he? Have has he been through adversity? How has he fought through adversity? What are some of the things that he's done to you know get everyone to rally around when you have some adverse situations? Yeah, I think it's a great point too, and that's actually my number one thing. If I had a question to ask at the combine in an interview setting or a dig up at Clemson, what is this guy going to do in reaction to losing? What if you lose more games in the first month of your NFL career than you did in your entire college career? The guy hasn't lost much, and so I do think it's a fair question. I want to know how is he going to respond to adversity. I think it's a great point. Hey, we got to let you run uh, in, in just a couple moments, yeah. but I got to do some rapid fire with you. Uh, I, I bet you're proud of Tony Baselli getting to be a finalist once again. Hopefully this is the year. But what's your frustration level about your good buddy Fred Taylor uh, c- still not getting enough momentum and consideration uh, for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it, it, it's definitely uh, it is frustrating because when you look at what Fred's done against the guys that have been in the Hall of Fame, like he's dominated them. I mean, We've played, I remember playing against Erlach, I remember playing against other guys with him, and Fred has played lights out against those guys. Uh, against some of the top defenses Fred has played well against. I just think that, you know, <clears throat> early on, before like social media, before all these other things where every everyone had like a national market, um, Jacksonville wasn't that. And so a lot of people didn't see his games. You don't get to watch his highlights. But if you watch his tape, and again, we can't expect all the, the voters of the Hall of Fame to watch everyone's full career tape. Um, but if you watch his tape, you'll know that he's definitely worthy of getting in there. I mean, you know, I work with Terrell Davis. I work with LaDainian Thompson. Like, LT used to look up to Fred. 
right? He used to. I remember playing the Chargers and LT going up and saying something to Fred, right? Like, so those things, like you just, it, it sucks that he's not in there because he definitely deserves it. But it's just one of those things that he has to keep fighting. Okay, real quick, how much does Jalen Ramsey miss us since you're around the Rams? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know if Jalen Ramsey misses you guys, but it sure thinks that the Jags miss Jalen Ramsey. You know he only gave it one touchdown this year? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, insane. The oh, so he's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good, I guess. Uh, Go yeah. figure. And, and the funny thing is, is that the crazy part is because when he came here, the, the Rams are like, what are we getting? I'm like, look, I just know if you put him on the number one receiver, he's not going to catch a pass. And literally, he's done that. I think Stephon Diggs caught the only touchdown, but he had four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. That was on a two-yard line where he ran like a back-end line late and caught a, a, a pass from Josh Allen. Like, Jalen's serious. But, you know, things happen, and, and people move on, and, and the Jags got a really good corner in Henderson, so hopefully he works out for them. Yeah. <laughs> Not that good. Not Jalen Ramsey type. Okay, uh, one more for me, then one more for Austin. Uh, appreciate your time. Maurice Jones-Drew here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, uh, it looked like they really rallied around John Wolford, Jacksonville kid. Um, I, I haven't seen anything out of L.A. I don't know what's going on with Goff and, and Wolford for this weekend. But that was a great performance by him. You, you got to call the game. Yeah, well, so it's funny. I called uh, his his first game in the AAF, too. And when okay. I got a chance to meet with him, he was like, I watched you when I was in Jacksonville. And I didn't know he was from Jacksonville at the time. And I was like, oh, man. And so you knew he had the ability to make all the throws. Um, you knew he was going to struggle a little bit because it's your first NFL game. Like, no matter if you say, I'm just going to go out there and play, you're going to have nerves. Uh, the first pass he throws is intercepted. But once he started getting comfortable and got in the flow of the game, he started running a little bit, uh, you saw the offense just kind of take off. And they moved the ball up and down the field, and the defense rallied around him. And I think the defense scored nine points, yeah. and the Cardinals scored seven. So that tells you how good that defense is. But they're going to need a little bit more. Uh, from the offense this week, and no one really knows. Like Jared had thumb surgery um, two Mondays ago. Uh, they don't know if he'll be able to play on Saturday or not. But the good thing is, you have a quarterback that's had ex- that has experience, and you can go up there and win. Your team is really good, and they match up well against the Seahawks. I got one last question. This question is out of just pure curiosity because I've always wanted to ask somebody that's close to the Rams. Obviously, it doesn't get better than you, Mo. Um, to me, the Rams as a team, they're an enigma. And the reason why I say that is because if I name any team in the NFL, I can tell you who that star of that team is. When we talk about the L.A. Rams, we talk about Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Sean McVay, and maybe Jared Goff because he plays the quarterback position, obviously. In your opinion, who's the biggest star of that team, and who's the most talked-about player in that city? Uh, well, I mean, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they're the most talked about, but the biggest offensive star is probably Robert Woods. Um, mm. Him or Cooper Cup, to be honest with you. Those two, I mean, they're both number one receivers. Uh, they just don't get a lot of credit for it. But Robert Woods, and you know this, Austin, I remember, remember in 2011, we you know we weren't having the best season, but our receivers were out there blocking like fullbacks. Out oh, there, absolutely! Right? And I appreciate them doing for that. Yeah, Robert Woods he blocks like that. He runs the ball. Is one of the best route runners they have, and goes across the middle all the time to catch the ball. Cooper Cup does the exact same thing. They have plays where they they pull their receiver and they lead block up the hole for the running back. Right. So wow. this is a it's an unselfish team, and they're very talented. Um, and, and again, like I, I feel like, and this is just my opinion. When they're playing well on offense, they can be anybody in the National Football League except for the 49ers. But that's neither here nor there. But uh, they match up with, they match up well with all the teams, and we'll see how things go. But 
if they can if they don't turn the ball over on offense, they they might be like thirteen and three, fourteen and two right now, but they've had some horrible games where they've turned the ball over five or six times, four or five times in the games, and it's cost them. So we'll see how you know they're the matter of fact, I'm gonna give you a stat here. You no, know, they're the only team to make the playoffs that's turned the ball over in every game. Huh this huh. year. Crazy, right? Stat. Interesting. Great stat. But they have the number one scoring defense in the National Football League, and that's why they're able to do that. Wow. So, yeah, they're uh, in every, every game. They can make up for complimentary mistakes, football. no doubt about it. Uh, Maurice Jones drew. Hey, by the way, Robert Woods, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Uh, he went to the same high school at the same time as Marquise Lee, former Jags receiver. And you bring up that Byron Leftwich story. The most underrated part of Maurice Jones drew's game is blocking ability. Picking up protection. So there you go. Byron Leftwich hey, should get some credit Brent, for that. I saw the Sean Merriman highlight when I was in high school. Not very underrated, but okay. Yeah, that's good. That's true. That is a, a special highlight. You're yeah, right. yeah. Come uh, on now. All right, Maurice Jones, Drew, keep blowing up my phone, man. We'll talk again soon. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, and make sure you guys pass a note over to Shad that I'm willing to come and consult if he needs to. Okay. <laughs> that train is not left the station. Use him. <laughs> Yeah, that train will never leave the station. I won't let it. So we're good to go. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Uh, good spending time with Maurice Jones. We could have spent a whole show with him, Austin oh, Lane. Oh, man, huh? I, I want to get into talking offense a little bit. You know, that 12 formation, <laughs> but we just didn't have the time, Brent. Uh, it's, uh, it's always good to catch up. I love, first of all, I've always liked Maurice Jones, true. But I love how how much he wants to see this organization do well. Yeah, uh, it, it's and even though he's way out west now, you know, he's not around here all the time. Uh, I just appreciate that about Maurice Jones. I think the fans should too. And uh, we'll talk more uh, to Maurice as we get. Do we? So then, do we get Eric Bieniemy's shirts now or tomorrow? That was pretty good. Like I, when we when we're getting Maurice on, I didn't anticipate going that in depth on Bieniemy, but yeah. it was awesome stuff to hear him talk about Bieniemy. Who interviewed today for the job with the Jacksonville Jaguars? That was tremendous on uh, Eric Bieniemy and Maurice Jones Drew knows him well. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. To me, it's just like, don't just go out there and be like, hey, we're taking Trevor, we're just taking him. Like, make sure that he is the right guy that fits whatever system that you pick, right? If you're going to pick, let's say, if you're going to pick Urban Meyer, right? Maybe Urban Meyer likes Justin Fields more. He, the same thing, Ohio State, that's what he did when he was there. It's his system to run. Maybe he wants Justin Fields. Or if you, let's say, if you go with Eric the Enemy, we don't know who the, co- the quarterback may be. He may like the guy from BYU, right? So, you, it depends on the, the coach and the system that they want to run if Trevor Lawrence fits that. That was Maurice Jones-Drew, joined us uh, really for much of the last half hour, talking a bunch of things. John Wolfer, Jalen Ramsey, the Rams, uh, Fred Taylor, uh, and a lot about the Jags coaching search and also Trevor Lawrence. And he didn't say, hey, I don't like Trevor Lawrence at number one. He just said, let's make sure we're doing our due diligence here. There's a bunch of different guys that can play that position and make sure the match is exactly what you think it is and what we all believe it is. And some great stuff, by the way, on Eric Bieniemy yeah. uh, along the way. I, so if you missed that in the 5 o'clock hour, make sure you check it out on the Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 podcast. Subscribe to it. Listen to it. It'll be the 5 o'clock hour. Maurice Jones-Drew. Yeah, I think the, the overall synopsis of you know Maurice Jones-Drew saying that Trevor Lawrence might not be the top pick, to kind of you know, repeat what you said a little bit, like, yeah, do your due diligence. And I think he's kind of driving home the point a little more that we were always told um, in NFL locker rooms from coaches where it's like you can never get too comfortable. 
And one would think that if you're the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars coming in, you're the GM, well, Trevor Lawrence is the pick, right? So you can kind of get comfortable now, right? You can kind of go, oh, well, we got that. We have the top pick taken care of. Let's put it in cruise control and go to the next pick. I think what the, the point that Jones Drew's trying to drive home here is the fact that, yes, Trevor Lawrence may in fact be the guy, but just still, like, don't do yourself a disservice and not work hard on this thing, right? Like, study him, right? Ask him the right questions at the combine. Do your research, and that way you know for sure. Well, I think I'm going to give you an example, okay? A few weeks back, remember after the couple of games, Northwestern and Indiana for Justin Fields, and, and so I asked somebody, I asked a couple people about Fields, and I was just inquiring. These are like NFL people and people that are around it way more than me and know more about it than me. And so I was asking around this, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I haven't been completely sold on fields. Like, that was one of the responses. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, I, I like him, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, what eventually happened in that conversation is this was when the Jags were picking number two. I was like, well, I mean, so you could take Wilson. You could, And that person basically said, hey, I think they could be compelled, even if they're not, even if they do have some doubts, compelled to take Justin Fields at number two because the wave will be it's Lawrence and Fields, Lawrence and Fields. Mm-hmm. And I found that very interesting, right? And so I think that's what Mojo's talking about. That's what we're talking about a little bit. Right now, you're going to be compelled to take Trevor Lawrence. Just make sure being compelled adds up to what your eyes and everything else yeah. uh, just, leads to. Just know? don't get comfortable, right? Yeah. Like you, you have a job to do. Work hard at it, even if it is the, the, the surefire pick. Still do your due diligence. Do not get comfortable. I want to ask you about uh, the um, uh, this quarterback class in just a moment, but a couple things to finish up. And one, I want you know, I'm watching the Queen's Gambit. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. you locked into it now? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm like four episodes in. Okay. Cause you seen it? I have not. Everybody's talking uh, about it. I mean, come on. Why am I the cool guy here? Oh, you got. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Everybody's seen it. Yeah. It's not the cool thing. I mean, it is kind of the cool thing, but you also didn't watch the whole thing at Tiger King, so how cool could you really be? I'm That's with, true. I, I thought I was with you, man. I thought we're a team, and now yeah. you're watching Queen's Gambit. Well, this is totally different than that charade. Tell him, Brent. Tell him it's different from that charade. <laughs> yeah, I never finished Tiger yeah. King. I'm just, here's, here's my quick thought, okay? And last night's episode got a little better, so episode four. But the first three were, like, I like it. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Okay. Uh, but I'm just like, wow, I'm so surprised that this is catch, catching everybody. You know, this is like, <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I haven't seen a bad review for this thing. Yep. And I've just been a little surprised because I thought I was a little bit different than the masses uh, in a lot of different ways. And I would think this would be very slow going, and it's like, okay, get on with it. But people are, are there for the ride. I will say this. It's got nothing. My, my thought on that has nothing to do with chess. The chess part of it is actually fascinating. Okay. <laughs> but um, and it's good. It, I think it's very good. I'm just a little bit surprised that it's, it's uh, so overwhelmingly okay. uh, positive in terms of everybody's reactions. I thought some people would be like, eh, it's too slow for me or too whatever for me. Uh, and, again, I'm only like, I don't even know how many episodes there are. I'm like on episode five I'm going into. Okay. So I'm going to be honest, Brent. Uh, you're not doing anything for me right now in terms of hyping this thing up because all you've told me is that it gets better in the fourth episode. You're surprised everybody likes it, and the chess is actually pretty good. Can you give me a, a Brent Martineau movie synopsis, please, or TV show synopsis, so I can at least have some kind of idea what this thing's about? Well, no, and I, I, I don't know exactly. Like, I don't know where the end game's going. I guess that's why probably I like it. Okay. Like, I kind of get what it is, and I, I feel like there's going to be something more to it. Huh. You know, I feel like. 
there's a couple storylines going on. I feel like there's going to be something more to it. We'll see. Listen, I don't watch a lot of these things, um, but we're enjoying it. But it's just uh, I people people aren't patient. You know, I'm so surprised that people are all locked into this. I, I really am. All I know this show right now is that it's not really about chess, but the chess is cool. Oh, well, it's about episode, chess. It gets better. And yeah. when I ask you to describe it, you go, "We'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens." Well, I, I don't want to give it away. Okay, okay. You know what? Then I might, oh, I might have to give it a temptation. I might have to give it a peer pressure and check it out. You go, you watch it and see what you think. Do you, you think I would like it? Uh, yeah, I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, I think you will. I think, I, I really think if you like sports, you kind of appreciate it from a different view okay. because there's so much competition involved in it. You okay. know, okay. in that like prodigy kind of way. You know, if, if it was tennis or baseball or football. Yeah. You know, we'd be like, oh, right? Yep. And, and I think that brings that part on. So anyway, okay. I'm just interested in why, again, I'm, I'm to the point where if I like something, most people probably aren't going to love it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> or if somebody else loves something, like, you name it, whatever they love, popular song, movie, mm-hmm. whatever, Star Wars, like, I usually am not into that. <laughs> sure, sure. So it's just surprising that, that we're all on the same page on this one. Okay, the um, stars are aligning. All uh, right. A little bit, yeah. So anyway, uh, best quarterback class. Like, historically, everybody says 1983, unbelievable. I think, and I'm not going to sit here and over-dramatize and say I think it could be 1983. I think this quarterback class is going to be really good, man. Hmm. I, I, I do. I, I think these guys, there's a place for these five guys that I'm thinking of. Oh, actually, six. By, by the way, I forget about Trey Lance all the time. But there's a place for these six quarterbacks. Yeah. From... Lawrence to Fields to Wilson to Lance to Trask to Jones. Mm-hmm. That could all land them, by the way, in the first, uh, conservatively speaking, let's say 40 picks. Yeah. And I think they really – now, well, history says they're not going to all be good. But I think we might have some really, really good quarterbacks out of this class. I guess that's the moral of the story. How do you feel about the class in totality? No, I, absolutely. Like, to me, it's not like the Queen's Gabba where it's like, well, well let's see what happens. Like, well, <laughs> they might be good. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Let's see what happens. No, like, this is going to be special, in my opinion, because if you look at this class, you know, the top six quarterbacks here, Brent, it's got everything, right? It's got maybe the once-in-a-generational player in Trevor Lawrence. It has the player in Justin Fields that any other year we would probably be all over this guy talking about him right now. But unfortunately, you know, Trevor Lawrence right now is hogging a lot of the spotlight, even despite the fact that Fields pretty much outplayed him, let's be honest, in that last game. So you have Justin Fields. You have an ultimate wild card guy in Trey Lance. Like, listen, in any other season, you have a pretty good idea of what a quarterback can bring to the table, right? Because we have the season to go off of, regardless of where you play. Trey Lance played in one game this season. We know nothing about this guy. This is the ultimate boomer bust guy. So we got a little bit of that. We got a little bit of a front runner in Zach Wilson where we've seen him play at, you know, maybe a little lower level competition. Can he transition the NFL? And then we got two Heisman hopefuls and Mac Jones and Kyle Trask who put up ridiculous numbers this year. Is that going to translate to the NFL? So there's just, there's a lot of intriguing storylines. It's got a little bit of everything. And I think it could be a very special quarterback class. I've said this a couple times in the last month too, man. And you know how I feel about it. I believe there are more good quarterbacks than there have ever been playing the sport of football. I believe seven-on-sevens. I believe uh, tutelage, specialization of coaches, uh, the, the understanding of the position. I think it's at an all-time high. I, I really do. I think if you look across the board, that doesn't mean great quarterbacks will equate to the NFL. 
I'm just saying at the high school level, college level, and even at the NFL level, we're seeing a lot of teams that like their quarterbacks, even if they're young. I also believe the NFL game is as close as it's ever been to the college game. And so that transition time is easier. And even with guys that don't use their legs as well, Trask and Mac Jones, I think teams are now smart enough to know where they fit. And so where do you see the mock drafts go for a guy like Mac Jones? Well, he goes to the Patriots, played for Saban, plays for Belichick. Like that might be a good fit Mm -hmm. for Mac Jones. He's not going to go to name your team that's going to run, you know, let's just say like Baltimore right now, you know, and the kind of offense they're running. So I I think uh, all of that added up says, hey, pretty talented group. Yeah. The fit is good. Quarterback play is good right now. Quarterback coaching is very good right now. Uh, the the league is an offensive league. I, I'm just going to go on record and say, hey, I think it's going to be one of the best quarterback classes of my lifetime. I really think it's going to be a, a and, dynamite group. And here's the intriguing thing as well, right? Because obviously Trevor Lawrence is going to a team that needs some rebuilding. Uh, Justin Fields the same. But when we start getting the guys like maybe Zach Wilson and, and a Trey Lance, um, you know, and a Trask and a Mac Jones, like they could go to good teams and get playing time right away. And if they're on good teams from the get-go, well, then who knows what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, if Trey Lance goes to San Francisco, watch out, boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he is who they think he's going to be, he might be the rookie of the year. Who knows? So I just think that in terms of the boomer bust, it's a lot more boom right now than bust. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least uh, tell you about, and I know you know what's going on, I would assume, seeing pictures, Twitter, TV, uh, about the scene in, in Washington, protests, certainly not peaceful at the Capitol. Uh, that is the big story of the day in our country, which, by the way, does not look like our country, quite frankly. Uh, that would be the only statement of mm-hmm. that I'll really say on it. But... Uh, Check out uh, WOKV 104.5 for the latest on that on the radio side and CBS 47 and Fox 30 on the TV side right now in the middle of newscasts and giving you live pictures of that uh, if you haven't seen what's going on. But uh, not a a good scene in Washington, D.C. this this afternoon as the uh, transition of power in our country. Um, Certainly right now doesn't seem like a peaceful one uh, happening. So uh, meanwhile, in the sports world, the Jags conducting interviews reportedly today uh, with Eric Bieniemy, tomorrow Raheem Morris, Saturday Robert Sala, somewhere out there on a very quiet Wednesday for the Urban Meyer chatter. Exists Urban Meyer. (laughs) Where does he fit on the spectrum of that? Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see if um, this will start to die down, just stays a little bit of a lull for another day, or we get some more reports popping up over the next uh, hours and days ahead. The big story, though, in sports, Trevor Lawrence declares for the 2021 NFL Draft, and the countdown is on. We started the show with the countdown, Austin. It's now down to 113 days and two hours and ten <laughs> minutes until he'll be a Jacksonville Jack. But who's counting? Except everybody in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. Uh, you too. as well. And uh, we'll see everybody again tomorrow. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for hanging with us. 3 o'clock, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on Thursday. We'll do it again.